Hi, and welcome to this new Intensive Care Medicine podcast in collaboration with the ESIC Next Group. My name is Gaetano Scaramuzzi, and I'm a researcher and critical care physician at the University of Ferrara uh, and a member of the ESIC Next Committee. Today, I have the pleasure to interview Dr. Bradley Weibrill, uh, who is the first author of a paper recently accepted for publication in Intensive Care Medicine and entitled Prophylactic Melatonin for Delirium in Intensive Care. A randomized control trial. Dr. Bradley Wybrow is an intensivist at Sir Charles Gardner in Western Australia, is part of the writing group from the ANZIC's COVID-19 guidelines and the National COVID-19 Task Force, is a clinical director of critical care for Western Australia, country health, and was involved in setting up a telehealth service as part of Western Australia's COVID response. He also works as an emergency physician and is the ANSICS chair for Western Australia. Thanks for accepting the invitation and for being here, Dr. Wildbrook. Thanks for inviting me, Katana. So I read with a lot of interest this paper on melatonin for delirium in intensive care. It is a huge problem with all delirium in our patients. And for sure, an aspect of the delirium problem is sleep. Uh, and uh, uh, the, the problem of uh, getting a proper sleep in intensive care. So my first question would be, uh, wh what's the background of this study? Why did you decide to investigate melatonin? And why did we need uh, evidence uh, about melatonin in intensive care unit? Yeah, thanks, Gatana. It's, um, I think, as you pointed out, it's, I think all of us in critical care realise how much of a big issue uh, delirium is. And and all the significant effects it has just for, for the, the patient, the families, healthcare setting, et cetera. And to be honest, we, we actually found a lot of our junior doctors were prescribing melatonin a few years ago and sort of looked into it and there's and not really a, a strong evidence base, but there was um, certainly um, a reason we had of sort of smaller studies that have been done and um, we thought, well, maybe we should look into this a bit further. And if you, at the time, there were sort of about eight or eight or so studies that would looked at prophylaxis using melatonin um, to prevent delirium. The, the ones looking at it as a treatment didn't really show a lot of promise, but the prophylactic studies, there were about four or five that had quite positive um, uh, results, sort of probably too positive. They seem quite too good to be true in some settings, but um, enough there that we thought we should look into this. And certainly melatonin, if it did work, would be great. Like it's it's cheap, it has minimal side effects, it's, you know, emulates natural processes. Um, and um, there's good biological plausibility of why it might work in terms of, as you alluded to, re-establishing circadian rhythm and sleep but it also seems to work a little bit like a it's been called an immune buffer or balancer so if you're immunosuppressive it seems to be a little bit of an immune stimulant and if you have an inflam acute inflammatory response it tends to sort of dampen that down and be um, sort of a little bit immunomodulating action and that's why people are looking at it in terms of things like brain injuries and um, sort of neuronal conditions degeneration where it might have some effect experimentally so there was enough there to make us think well, look you know there's there's some merit here and uh and that's where it all began yeah 
Right. So, uh, but in your in your um, paper in your work, you decided to evaluate the link with not only with sleep but with the delirium per se. So the the primary outcome of your uh, of your study was yeah. uh, uh, the proportion of uh, delirium free assessments, right? So yes. can, can you tell us a bit um, about this connection and uh, which were your your main findings? Yeah, so we we looked, we thought about sleep. I mean, ultimately, we were using the melatonin to try and um, prevent delirium. So, and sleep was one of those mechanisms, and probably a main one, but potentially not the only one. So that's why we we talked a while about sleep, delirium, even some something more objective and harder like length of stay, which was obviously an easier outcome to measure. But in the end, we thought well, we're using it to try and prevent delirium, so we should really have that as our primary outcome. And we were going to use CAM ICU as most of the intensive care studies do. And when we, we, we did have delirium free days, but we, the one issue with that is if you, if you have two, two or three negative assessments in a day versus, or sorry, so one of those is positive or three of those is positive, both of those, that both of those will get the same outcome. I, they won't, will not be a delirium free day. And so you lose a little bit of the information. And, and that was why we had that as our primary outcome. Unfortunately, yeah, we did, we, for the study, we didn't see any significant difference in, in either our primary outcome or any of the other secondary markers of delirium, be that delirium, in, um, sort of delirium throughout the study, delirium-free days, or the primary outcome delirium-free assessments. Yes, you also investigated uh, some subgroups, right? So, because I saw that the the average length of stay of your population is quite small, uh, so you also investigated uh, the effect of melatonin in those who were um, in the ICU for longer a period of time, right? Yeah, we we sort of we because we talked initially about the feasibility of continuing it into the ward environment, but um, that was going to be difficult in our setting and without sort of a lot sort of more funding really and so we we sort of postulated that the patients that might benefit from it are the ones that are exposed to it for a longer period um and so we wanted to we we had that as one of our subgroups initially as those we had less than seven days and greater than seven days and yet no in the groups that were greater than seven days we also did not see a an effect of the melatonin on our primary outcome okay. or any of the other outcomes but uh, what about sleep per se? So uh, we, we, we saw that uh, maybe uh, melatonin cannot work or per se just, just the melatonin does not work uh, on uh, um, delirium prevention, but uh, you also investigated uh, the effects of, on sleep, right? We, we did a daily sleep assessment, which was the Richard Campbell's questionnaire, which is either done by the nurse or the, if the patient, if the um, the patient can't do it themselves, which basically looks at observed sleep um, and quality and a few other markers. And then we um, we also did the Littles questionnaire, which has been used previously as well, which was after the patient has left intensive care, which tests their recollection of sleep and then also asks them to identify certain um, factors as to why they thought they didn't sleep well in the intensive care. Um, we did do some polysomnography and we're working through that at the moment because that's quite difficult to 
um, read in sedated patients. Mm. Um, but so that's not in this paper, but in 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 the markers of the the in ICU and the out of ICU questionnaires, we didn't see any difference between the two groups. Okay. So at the end, uh, this was a neutral trial, but uh, um, do you think that um, th there was something uh, that could be improved uh, in the patient's uh, selection or in the treatment uh, that could have changed the, 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 the results of the study? Or do you think that melatonin does not work in, in intensive care unit patients? Um, look, it's hard to say. <laughs> I think um, I think in terms of if you're using melatonin to try and re-establish uh, the circadian secretion of melatonin, um, it's probably hard to say that it would work in the way that we gave it. Um, we saw a hundred times the normal levels of melatonin in the patients that were retested the melatonin levels. And so we definitely got the melatonin into the patients. It was definitely doing, you know, whatever it was doing for that period. There are some sort of dosing strategies where you continue to give it overnight um, because we only used a single dose. And some other people have sort of said, well, you use a higher dose. It's harder. I think a higher dose would be more sedative but I don't think a higher dose would necessarily be that much different in terms of re-establishing the circadian secretion of melatonin. So in that setting, it's hard to see melatonin alone working. Um, we sort of alluded to that would you could use it in a, a sort of a bundle type pattern with um, things that we know are beneficial for patients like early mobilisation and sedation decrease um, sort of holidays and decreasing sedation. And that might be where it's va some value lies. Um, but again, it's hard to know, like, would, um, would I prescribe it now? I don't actively prescribe it, but um, I think um, if it stops me prescribing something like a benzodiazepine that I know is not great for patients, then prescribing melatonin, which we've shown has no adverse effects and, is natural and you know maybe that's you know just the lesser of you no know, we may not be doing that much so i think yeah it maybe there is a role for it in a bundle um but uh, i guess all i can say from our study is that we really didn't see any effect and i guess you know treats looking at intensive care patients with multiple pathologies and thinking a single medication is going to alter such a complex thing like delirium um, is probably just a bit too simplistic. Uh, and I think in practice, we need to do several things together. Um, it's just that um, it's hard now when all of those things are being done. You know, like if, if and that maybe that's why in our study, we saw much lower rates of delirium at about 35% instead of the 50% we've seen in our prospective data set because there was more of a focus on delirium and we were doing those other things more often. So that's where it's hard is if you're already doing those things, finding, it, finding additional benefits is going to be difficult. Sorry, that was quite a long answer. No, no, but uh, I agree. I was also surprised to see 
the low uh, amount uh, and uh, amount of uh, delirium patients in your results. So what about uh, future uh, studies or uh, what, what are you planning for the future? Are you trying to uh, uh, put on a bundle, including melatonin? Uh, um, uh, will you abandon this, this investigation? Uh, uh, um, do you have any plans? Um, we will plan anything at this stage. Um, we're looking at some more recovery type things such as um, yeah, uh, where she's looking at nandrolone and a few other things that, that sit in and I um, things that sort of help patients recover uh, and I think for now I think I'll probably leave melatonin but be certainly happy to col collaborate if other people have ideas. Thanks. Okay. We would like to thank again, uh, Dr. Weibrow, and uh, it was very, very nice uh, talk. And um, I'd like to thank also uh, um, all the listeners and uh, uh, see you next time.